It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We got a great topic, one I've been waiting to talk about for a long time. The book is called The Politics of Ministry, Navigating Power Dynamics and Negotiating Interests. Bob Burns joins us, Pastor Bob Burns, and uh, welcome to the program. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here with you today. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Where have you been all my life? uh, This is a subject that a lot of people who are listening, people in ministry, and certainly people who are uh, pastors or aspiring pastors, it's like they got into the ring with George Foreman after a while, and, and the people might be, uh, you know, little old ladies. It might be, uh, uh, you know, different kind of situations in ministry that uh, that they get beat up in the, in the most unexpected places. Uh, tell us about the uh, the politics of ministry. Well, Michael, it's interesting. I've been involved in ministry uh, now for well over forty years, and I never utilized the term politics as as the dynamic of what I was experiencing until I was in graduate school a number of years ago, and that's a whole story about how I got there. And um, I was interacting with a professor who talked about the politics of education uh, and the educational world he was in. I, we, we probed about that, and what I'd learned from him is that uh, there's two kinds of politics out there. There's the politics all of us think about, Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., Democrats, Republicans, backroom deals, those kinds of things that make most of us just uh, makes our backs creep. Uh, we get sick when <laughs> we get that. I was going to say something like that. but <laughs> Exactly, or other things. But uh, what this professor helped me understand is that, that the classic definition of politics is really actually quite simple in one way, but it's profound in many, many others. But he said politics are the fact, first of all, that everyone has interests, and we all have interests. We're aware of some of those interests. 
Um, we're, we're not aware of a lot of our interests. And those interests are formed, gosh, in so many different arenas. The church we grew up in, the community we grew up in, the family we've had, our education, just so many factors come into, into play there. And then um, those interests are enhanced by the environment that we're in. Uh, the, the, the organizations we work for, whether it's a church, a parachurch ministry, whether it's a business. Um, and so those, those organizations have interests as well. So here we are with our individual interests, and we're in the context of an organization where they have interests as well. And then, obviously, there's broader interests in the context of our society. And he well, said, let me stick with that boxing theme for just a minute. It's like, you know, okay. there's, you know, there's Don King, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then well, what about the board? Sometimes the, you know, the board can be, uh, uh, not to get down and dirty, but sometimes the board could be like Don King, you know, and they, and they can oh, kind of take people in and, and you're going to, you know, we're going to make a puppet out of you and you're going to do what we ask you to do. I mean, uh, I want you to get back to what you're talking about. Sometimes it just seems like, it gets a little rough. The waters in ministry, people think they're they're just going in, and everybody's going to kind of be on the same agenda. But they they find themselves in a power struggle and not knowing how to deal with that. You know, just to tease your 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 listeners a little bit, the, the very first story we tell in this book, and the book is full of stories, some happy stories, some very sad stories. But the very first book, I'm mean, very first story is about about a guy named Brian who walked into the very context you're talking about. Uh, he thought he was walking into it, working in a church where everybody kind of sort of loved each other in some Christian way or another. And um, and he discovered uh, the day after his ordination that he had been brought there because they wanted to fire the senior pastor. And wow. uh, they, they needed somebody to take over the reins and to take care of things until they brought in a new senior pastor. But uh, you can imagine the disequilibrium that he walked into um, uh, without having any expectations of that. So anyway, back to our, our definition of politics. The first piece of three pieces is interests. The, the second piece is negotiation. We're all negotiating our interests all the time. If they're really important to us, we may make a stink about it. If they're not so important, we may keep our mouths shut. But everybody has, has interests, and that happens not just in the ministry, Michael, but you know, uh, in marriage, uh, we're constantly negotiating our interests with our spouses. Um, when we go to the grocery store, we're negotiating our interests. When we're frustrated because they didn't have the brand that we wanted, they're out of stock of something. Um, so the negotiation of interests, and those negotiations always take place in relationships, whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with a board, whether it's in the church, and those relationships are structured where certain people have more capacity to act, more capacity to get things done, to get their way. Some people have more, more capacity to act than others. We call that the simple word that nobody likes is power, the capacity to be able to get things done. Mm. And, uh, and there's two different kinds of power. Now, I, I don't want to get into the weeds here, but... One kind of power is the power that we have formally given to us. So let's take my friend Brian, who's the first story in this, in this book. He walks in as the associate pastor in a church, and that gives him a certain amount of, of power because of the formal position he has. He has a degree from a theological seminary. That gives him another sense of power. And yet, at the same time, you have Mrs. Jones in that church 
who's been there for 40 years. I knew it. I knew Mrs. Jones was the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's been there, or, or, or Miss Jones. She's been there for 40 years as a third grade Sunday school teacher. She's never been on a board. She's never participated in any of the, of the, the, the wranglings of what's happening. Yet she's been there for 40 years, and she has more relational capacity in that church than any of the pastors do. Because, you know, because she's been there and, and everybody on the board remembers having her for third grade Sunday school teacher and all their kids have had her for third grade Sunday school teacher. So she is loved and appreciated. And that relational capacity gives her more power to get things done often than the people who have the formal authority. So here's the three pieces. You have power or the capacity to act. You have your interests and you have the interests of others. And those are being negotiated. It sounds very simple until you start working it out in day-to-day life. Well, see, here's the thing. Um, people come out of seminary, all right? <laughs> and they, and they <laughs> just think, well, you know, they learned about the Bible. I mean, that's where yeah. they, they went to learn about the Bible. They want everybody to, you know, to get together on this. And, and then all of a sudden, you get different elements, like you said, Mrs. Jones, who, you know, you don't ever think to yourself, okay, uh, how can I be more like them? Or how can I come over to their side where the fact is that I don't know the town, I don't know the area. Mrs. Jones has carte blanche, uh, been there for 40 years, has certain influence. It seems like an unusual way for pastors to, to have to be able to think that way even. And then, and then it gets kind of weird where uh, they have uh, you know board meetings, if you will. And the fact that there is even a power struggle, getting back to that, where, you know, we're going to make this pastor, where does a pastor kind of be like a puppet on a string? When it could, That's the thing that scares me about, about the uh, politics of ministry. Do we need that? You know, do we, I guess see, there's no way to avoid that. And your book really covers these areas, which is why, you know, I said, where you've been all my life, because uh, it's one of the few books that does that. Michael, one of the f- little catchphrases we use in this book is we, we, we riffed off of a phrase that Jesus used, where two or three are gathered together, you have politics. Yeah. You can't avoid it. You can't not have it. And of course, they never talked about it in the context of, of seminary, at least not most seminaries, because, because they're not even thinking in those terms. They're caught up in, in the areas that they're focused on. But to deal with people, in any context, you have to recognize your interests, their interests, and how those interests are being negotiated. It's going to happen whether your eyes are open to it or not. It's a whole other issue, but it's going to happen. And uh, for us to be wise stewards in the context of ministry, in the context of life, to, you know, Jesus said that he's called us to be as, as wise as serpents, but as gentle as doves. And, and we're called to be able to, to navigate these messy dynamics of living and working with people you know, our theology tells us, uh, Michael, that, that, that um, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and that all of us are broken creatures before God. We yeah. believe that theologically, but when we start having to work that out, we wonder why the, we're having problems. So where do we begin? I mean, where do pastors begin who are listening to this interview? Uh, they are shuddering. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> because they find themselves maybe in a power struggle or they're not in tune with uh, the people skills necessary to lead a congregation and it, it can get very messy. So how does it get messy to begin with? And what are the things that uh, 
pastors need to watch out for and how, how can they correct that? Well, obviously, one of the first things pastors have to understand when they walk into a church, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be a pastor. It can be a college ministry person. It can be anybody in any context. When you walk into a situation, what so often happens is they assume that the formal position that they have been given grants them the authority to do whatever they want to do. And of course, assuming they assume that what they want to do is what God's will is. Um, that's an immediate trap because they, they assume that formal authority is going to, to give them carte blanche to do whatever they want to do. And when you see the statistics that pastors last somewhere between 18 months to four years in the church, one of the reasons for that is because they walk in and they don't recognize that the first thing that they need to do is begin developing healthy relationships and understanding the, the, the interests that, under, the, the, that, under, under, uh, that underscore the community that they're in, the people that they're with, and, the, and the, the various different groups in the context of the church. You have to be able to not only exegete the scripture, you have to be able to exegete the people. And that begins by understanding interests. And well, then you have to, Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and from understanding interests, you have to understand your own interests, and, and you have to figure out what hills are worth dying on and which ones are worth negotiating. All right, let's look at the, the first thing, the when it comes to that, something that triggered. So, so where do we put the piano? I mean, is it, is it <laughs> worth it having that, that streak in the carpet? Because uh, there, there was an agreement on where the, 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 the piano should be, or, uh, or even should we have a website? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, you know, can I ask you, are you on the web by any chance? Are you, uh, can, um, you're, are you online right now? I guess you are, aren't you? Yes, I am. Um, could you go to messiahcommunity.com? Messiahcommunity.com. I've got it already in here and it's coming up. Okay. So speaking of websites, I just want to let you know that we have a brand new website. Okay. At messiahcommunity.com. And uh, just a little plug here to uh, the second line themes who actually, uh, they make websites specifically for podcasts, you know. So uh, I know a lot of churches have podcasts, and uh, they're, of course, podcasters have podcasts. So uh, wh what do you think? I don't know if you uh, saw the other website, but uh, it's brand new, uh, and we're really excited. It's easy to use. And uh, I just want to say that the people at Second Line Themes, the, the, first of all, the support is amazing. And uh, they take care of it, but they actually get back to you like the next day or the same day. And so, anyhow, we're just proud of the website. I appreciate you going on. What do you think? That's great. So, yeah. do you remember where you were? Well, we were talking about interests and the fact that pastors who walk into a church uh, assume that because they have the authority, the formal authority of being the pastor, that they can begin calling the shots. Uh, what they don't appreciate is the fact that they've walked into a community and they are brand new in that community, and they need to begin developing an understanding of the people in the community. Yeah. Uh, the church itself, and begin exegeting that community just like they'd exegete the scriptures. I agree with that. And, you know, um, can I say, you know, I'm sure this book has helped a lot of people because they have a peacemaking books, let's just say in seminary. But this is kind of, you know, that expression where the rubber meets the road, where the men yeah. are separated from the boys, if you will, the, you know, uh, to find out who's really meant to be in ministry. And, and whether you like it or not, this might be that extra added element. Are you equipped to deal with people? Because if you cut it short, really, and you think about politics, it's just having really 
you know, finessing and good people skills, perhaps, so that you can get everybody to get along and to agree, agree on certain things. And I'm sure there's some pastors, uh, people who they're equipped in, in ministry in every way. They know the Bible. They may even have some good administrative tasks, uh, abilities. But when it comes to people skills, eh, you know, the buzzer goes off and, and maybe, you know, they're headed uh, to selling cars instead. And they realize they're not meant to be in ministry. Well, I think people skills are important, but you know, um, one of the assumptions is, well, I have people skills, therefore I have this innate capacity, this innate ability. What we try to do in the book here is build upon those things by number one, helping people, giving people actual tools to identify interests, their own as well as others. Number two, give them a framework to understand the reality of power, or that is the capacity to get things done. And number three, to get an understanding of the fact that they are in context of negotiation and to begin to think carefully about the kinds of um, decisions they make in that negotiating process or whether they even have the capacity to negotiate at all. And so we try to give them tools in the midst of this book to take maybe their innate skills or lack of skills and to build upon those things so that they can they can function in a wiser way for the glory of God in the context yes. of their Are you aware, you know, do they have any kind of um incubation rooms in seminary that would that would um mimic this type of thing? I mean, maybe there should be more role playing going on that uh, because I'm not aware that any seminaries have that where, you know, here's the situation I was kidding at the beginning where like a little old lady and she you know, kind of like the example that you mentioned, if you will, assuming Mrs. Jones, yeah, she would be, you know, forty years in the in the congregation, an older lady. You know, if you don't get along with these older ladies, they can be a problem. <laughs> they can they can exactly. they can get you right out of that uh, out of that church and you're out of a job. So, it, but, you, but here's the, here's the trick on that, Michael. You can go and and study a case study, and that's very very helpful. You can go into an incubator and 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 try something out, and that's helpful. The postscript of our book, the last section of our book, is actually on how people learn these things and. And the bottom line is we learn this in the context of practice, in the context of actually doing it. And um, that's why this book is, I know this book already is being studied in seminary classrooms, yes. but, in, but until people walk out of the classroom and into the trenches, they won't really have a grasp of what's happening. Now, maybe the, the book will give them a framework to do that analysis. But until you're in the battle itself, all the theoretical ideas are great, but you have to, and until you're experiencing the blood and the, and the mud of, of, the, of the trenches, it's very difficult to really understand what's going on. Now, let me ask you if you love people, I mean, genuinely love people, shouldn't, this be, shouldn't this be more innate? I mean, as far as to, to think that, you know, I love People, I want to serve people more than I want to run the church, and I, I love people. I want to understand people and get uh, over to their side of things rather than to you know have the mantle of the pastor. So if you're like that and you're a true servant, should this come easier? You'd think it would, but you know the book of Proverbs tells us that it's very possible for a person to be very loving and not be very wise. Hmm. And so what we want to do is to take that loving motivation and combine it with a wisdom of understanding. For example, the, uh, I, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who grew up 
in the Deep South, and the first call that he went to was in Seattle, Washington. Okay? Now, let me tell you something. Seattle, Washington's a different world than where this brother grew up and was nurtured through, through college. And he had some serious, a serious learning curve in order to understand the, the social dynamics of the Northwest. Now, that's not something that you, you necessarily have the capacity to do just because you love. You have to open up your eyes to understand the differences of the, of, of the culture and the varied interests that are found out there. Um, I think of a person who spent most of their time, a, f- a friend of mine who spent most of their time growing up in a very nice family church, a very comfortable church. And his, his first call was to be on the staff of a, of, of a, a large multi-staffed church. And he had to learn a whole new cultural context there. Um, Yes, he was a loving person, but he had to gain the wisdom of learning and understanding that cultural context and the interests that were there and how to begin navigating those as he had to begin making plans for retreats and camps, interacting with parents of kids and all those things. He'd never experienced those things before. What we try to do in this book is open the eyes of the sincere person, the loving person, to see the dynamics that are, that are taking place in the social context that God has placed them. Well, the and other thing, if you don't mind, what you learn, what you learn is sorry. ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, but what you learn ultimately <laughs> is that Jesus himself, Jesus himself, the vast majority of his ministry life was negotiating the interest, interests of those people around him. He was involved in the politics of ministry all the time. Can you go a little further with that? Because I like what you're saying. I was going to ask you about that. that where is that in Scripture, really? And you know, everyone just listened to Jesus, but you're saying that he actually was, uh, you know, very, very good at mid politics. When you open your eyes to those three, those three categories: interests, power, and negotiation. When you open your eyes to those categories and take them into the Scriptures, your mind is blown of seeing them happening all the time. Let's just take one example. In Mark chapter 2, here's Jesus who is um, interacting with um, a situation where, where uh, a bunch of people bring their friend to him. Uh, excuse me, let's not go to Mark 2, let's go to Mark 3. Jesus goes into the synagogue to teach. There's, there's a man in the synagogue uh, who, who is, has a deformed hand. And everybody, in, it says in, the, in that passage, everybody in the synagogue was watching to see whether Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. Immediately, what, what do you have? you have? You have Jesus there and the interests of, that he is promoting, the interests of the kingdom of God. You have the Jews, Jewish leadership there who very well may have planted that man with, with the withered hand. You have the rest of the people who are there in the, in the synagogue wondering what's going on and how, what's going to happen. And you have the man himself who has the withered hand. And just looking at those short nine verses, you see all of these dynamics playing themselves out. Jesus asking a, a, a sincere question. He, he brings the man forward in front of all of them. Well, suddenly, you know, that heightens the anxiety in the, in the, in, in the whole situation. And he asks that question. Is it, right on, is it right to heal a person on the Sabbath or not? And the response of the Jewish leaders is, absolute silence. What's happening here? 
the Jewish leaders are choosing a negotiation tactic of remaining silent to Jesus's question. How is Jesus going to respond to that? How is Jesus going to respond in his negotiation? Jesus, it says, became angry, but managed his emotion of anger properly and healed the man. And the response of the Jews was to walk out of the synagogue and to gather together and to ask themselves, how can we destroy him? How can we get rid of this person? You have all the dynamics playing out right there in one short nine-verse passage of the scriptures. You open your eyes. Read that. Pastors should not just read it. They should, (laughs) because that's them, you know, throwing them right out of that church. And people don't realize, people don't realize that it gets rough. These uh, waters are rough waters in the church. And somehow that's the dynamic that seems just so odd that you would think that, you know, I'm just saying because we're, you know, we're, we're, (laughs) we're saved by the grace of God. Uh, but we have a sinful nature, and, and people are are prone to want a certain amount of power. It would seem easier if they just say, hey, look, the pastor is equipped to teach the Bible. Let's listen to the pastor. Let's support the pastor. But everyone seems to be vying for some sort of power, if you will. And I think that's— Well, everybody has interests, and, and, and everybody, assumes <laughs> everybody assumes their interests are also the interests of Christ. Yeah, that's uh, a very good point. Until, <laughs> until congregations are down to 10 people and they wonder what's, what's wrong. Very possibly, that's right. So it's a great point. Do, uh, do we miss uh, anything, really? Because uh, there's some of the table of contents, three ministry stories. you got the four dynamics of politics, power ministry politics, uh, societal interests. What are some of the other areas you would direct uh, you know, readers to? I think the other thing I would say is that whenever you have the negotiation of interests in, in the context of power relations, there's always going to be ethical issues involved. And the very thing that you were bringing up earlier about the, 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 uh, the, the conflict of, the, of interests, that's where ethical questions come into play. And we have an entire chapter where we grapple not coming up with simple solutions to complex answers, to complex issues. But we try to give some framework of understanding some of the, 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 the ethical challenges involved and then how to begin negotiating in that area. Uh, pastor Bob, do you get a lot of calls from people? I mean, from pastors uh, everywhere or people in ministry that uh, do you, is it kind of like, you know, sometimes like calling the fire department and getting that kitten out of that tree. And do you, do you get a lot of calls where in emails where people are just out of sorts when it, you know, they had finished ministry, they go into a, a church and, you know, they, again, the waters got a little choppy and um, you, you got any, I'm sure those kind of stories have happened where uh, I'm sure people have been rehabilitated, if you will, uh, from, the, in, in, uh, <laughs> after. Absolutely, Michael, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've been involved with my co-authors, uh, Donald Guthrie and Tasha Chapman. We've been involved in teaching these things in various contexts now for well over 15 years. The book itself has just come out. It just was just published and came out from InterVarsity here in, Jan- in this January, just a few weeks ago. So, um, you know, we've received all kinds of telephone calls and requests for interaction and discussion about these things just on the basis of the fact that we've been teaching these things. But um, who knows what's going to happen now that the book is out. Um, I just hope that the book is going to provide a framework of wisdom for people who in whatever context they find themselves, to where two or three are gathered together, you have politics. And so we have to learn how to, to understand these dynamics and work with them. 
You should, do you have like a DVD or do they have DVDs like a download? Or because, uh, you know, I can picture like the church before they go into their minutes or their business meetings that they can, you know, this could be required reading. <laughs> uh, it could be, and uh, or a yeah. video even, you know, to have that. But uh, I think it's it produces good conversation, if you will. Well, I'm going to read the back of your book that we all need help navigating the politics of ministry. And politics, as you say, often considered a dirty word. It brings to mind lies and manipulation, accusations and scandals. But at its most basic level, politics is simply the everyday activity of getting things done with other people, understanding their interests, recognizing the power of dynamics at play and learning how to negotiate relationships and institutions to achieve a common goal. And it's filled with real-life stories taken from a variety of uh, ministry settings. And the book that you've been hearing about uh, has principles and practices that help you see more clearly the politics and the, the dynamics that play in our churches and parachurch ministries. All ministry is political. As servants of Christ's kingdom, we are called to navigate the politics of ministry with grace, wisdom, and charity, which is love. Go get the book, The Politics of Ministry with Bob Burns, Tasha Chapman, and Donald Guthrie, the authors, and thank you for being on the program. Thank you, my friend. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.